Welcome to another episode of Part of My Bullshit Podcast, man. We are honored today to be <laughs> in one of the best music venues in Washington, D.C., Songbird, Record House and Cafe. You know what I'm saying? COVID has shut down a lot of places, but this this wonderful building that I have plenty, plenty, plenty memories is still wide open. It's still very active. Make sure y'all come down here for their brunch. Shout out to the big homie Chad for letting us use the building for the day to get this special episode off, man. Right. Let me go ahead and get the introductions going, man. To my left, who I got? You got the boy, the truth in the building, PNB podcast. Shout out to our girl, C. Danny with us in Atlanta, Georgia right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to introduce our special guest to my left. We have... J. Ron Crooks. Um, I have a blog specializing in personal finance. I'm big on building. Man, like, well, speaking like a true CPA, bro. Humble, <laughs> humble. How you feeling, man? Feeling great, man. That's good. That's good. Nice. How you feeling, Geechee? Hey, listen, bro. I'm good, man. It's a, it's a nice Saturday. It's a little gloomy outside, you feel me? But we're making it. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know how we do it on the PNB podcast, right? We just get rain two things. And really, you know, we live off of vibes. We don't live off of any topics. But what we wanted to do with Jerron here today is kind of just help you build your brand, man. So, you know, uh, a part of PNB, we try to build and create environments for people to come and tell us their story. So, Jerron, what do you do, bro? Appreciate it, man. Um, I guess to start, I graduated from VCU yes, with, with an accounting <laughs> degree. Um, I want to say I did not know accounting upon graduating from VCU, but um, I quickly learned that I had to take the workforce more seriously. Um, first year in, I mean, I'm submitting assignments late. I'm just learning a lot and then just paying attention to the people around me. And I just I noticed that I didn't want to be in that position for too long. So about two years into my first job, um, I started studying for the CPA exam. And it, it was a job working for the states where I had the opportunity to pretty much study in the whole spring season. And um, it took me nine months to prepare for the first exam. Part of it was procrastination. Um, another part of it was actually taking it seriously. And my first one, I passed. And everyone after that, I passed after that. And that's just pretty much where it began for me to where I noticed in my Basically, I found out that my parents were right when I told me, when my dad told me <laughs> I can do anything I put my mind to. Right. That's good. So how did you build that level of uh, consistency? You know, I think that's a word that people, you know, like to throw out here in 2020, consistency, toxic words like that. Right. Yeah. So, like, how did you develop those good habits in order to, you know, produce that level of consistency needed to pass such a hard exam? Um, I would say, man, I'm real competitive. Uh it was just one experience that I had in college to where someone rubbed me the wrong way. And granted, I didn't apply myself. But the fact that I felt that person didn't know me and felt the need to com- comment on me mm. and my abilities, uh, I just didn't appreciate it. So just studying through the exam, when it, when it got tough times, I'm just not that one that's going to lose. You're not going to see me lose. You're not going to see me sweat. So um, that consistency was just through the drive and the willingness to want to win. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know accounting. So. To pass everyone the first time, you I mean, better than me. That says a lot about myself. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, man, I respect both of y'all. Both of y'all got y'all CPAs, and you know, talking to Dathan every day, he'd be oh, telling about the trials and yeah, yeah, yeah. the right, trials man, and tribulations. Like, he just passed it a couple weeks yeah, ago. Big, yeah. big congrats, congrats bro. Um, I know you know a lot of work goes into that, so I definitely want to say, you know. I respect both of y'all's dedication to passing. Because me personally, son, once I got out of school, <laughs> I ain't had to take no more tests. Like, I went yeah. back and got my master's, but I didn't have to actually take any certifications. And I couldn't even imagine now at my old age trying to study hard for four different exams, let alone one. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So what was the vibe like? I know both of y'all are from VCU. What was the vibe like at VCU in terms of just like, 
the the school culture and and the the I guess the what did you learn from it the most that you could apply to regular life? Honestly, for me, and I don't know about uh, J. Rob, but for me, it's definitely just a networking aspect. You know, we we went to a PWI, but it didn't feel like it was a PWI. There right. were so many black people, black and brown folks on campus, so we never felt out of place. Right. But we were in a, a, a center where. You were you could have a white roommate or a Hispanic roommate right. or a Middle Eastern roommate, and you had to get to know that that person. You had to get to know their culture. Like it was real one big melting pot. And I, I would say VCU to me reminds me a lot of Northern Virginia. Just that melting pot, so many different cultures, so many people from various backgrounds. And on top of that, it's an art school, so it's real hippie. You know what I'm saying? So like you got athletes and you got like the art students and you got like the theater kids and you got the I remember my very first visit on campus they were playing um was it Quidditch what's that Harry Potter jump Quidditch or whatever yeah like in (laughs) in the park on campus and I remember going down there I'm like this is hella weird but it feels good you know what I'm saying and 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 for me it's really that network and getting to know people that did not look like you did not talk like you did not have the same background as you because for real, that's how life is i feel yeah, like right. that has allowed you know myself i don't know jeremy the same exact thing and even you you going to umd yeah. to kind of thrive to like through life because we have to get out of our comfort zone and we have to speak right. to people that don't have nothing to do with us in order to get ahead right and you laugh what, what you got to say you laugh soon as i said it i mean uh he 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 brought out the more important aspect of it which is networking and <laughs> which i did meet a lot of friends i mean and i'm not that person that has the expense to span a group of friends so like my roommates i mean i really came close with them as i live live with them and still stay in contact with them so um outside of that man it's like i said when i say i didn't study i was just out there partying so <laughs> working to try to pay rent. i didn't want to leave with party but <laughs> yeah so it's like my perspective on it yeah. in the aftermath i mean of it all yeah it's networking and then see a lot of Looking back to see it, a lot of people that were starting to do their own businesses, whether it was party promoting and still doing that and actually in college and understanding what it takes to actually start your own business. I mean, to look back, you got to respect those guys like BK and them was starting to shoot places like, man, for for them to be, I mean, in the gym every week, not saying that they were studying, but. But now to be on the level they, as to what they are in L.A., on Melrose, you know what I'm saying? And dealing with what they're dealing with and still being able to thrive. Right. Like, they, their placement broken in, what, three times? Yeah, yeah. And they still good. Yeah, that is a fact. We went to school with a lot of entrepreneurs, man. Like, yeah. you know, every once in a while I go on LinkedIn and I just click on people's profile. Like, oh, shit, what, what they up to? And I'm like, oh, they, they work at Snapchat. They work at Facebook. Right. They work at right. Google. They got right. their own business. Like, it's just dope to see that people that look like us at that are doing these amazing, amazing things in life. So I will say that, you know, we went to a real cool hip school, but at the same time, there was something down there in Richmond that that made people kind of like get on a different level of grind. And I definitely yeah. appreciate that for That's sure. That's true. That's true. So I guess speaking of networking, right? So getting back to the neighbors blog, could you kind of explain what the neighbors blog is and I guess what your primary utility is with that? Can I? Yeah, 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 my bad. Yeah, please, please. I guess my primary purpose behind the blog is to share my story and also educate. Um, not to say that I have been consistent lately, but in all, um, I'm not quitting on it. And it's something that I will continue to put that information out there for others to learn um, and also share my experiences to let other no- others know that it is possible. Despite your financial situation, you may feel like you're underwater in debt, but I mean, if you really just buckle down, and you're gonna have to make a sacrifice, but um, change happens quicker than people realize. Right. And 
once you make that sacrifice and you actually go through it, I think your perspective is just a lot different, similar to the CPA exam. Like I'm sure you view a lot of things differently after having to put that much effort into <laughs> something. You know what I mean? I feel like when you look at other tasks, it's like, I can do that. Not to be cocky, it's just like, I know I can learn it, but at yeah. that point, you just try to balance the efficiency of everything. I feel like, you know, hitting on that point now, whenever I get a challenge or a task or whatever, if I see somebody else has done it, I'm just like, all right, well, if they did it, I can, shit, I can do it too. I, I just got to put in the time, the effort and, yeah. and, you know, the different things. So, you know, we talk about COVID, right? And during these times, everybody's trying to figure out how to make money. How y'all getting your money during COVID? Shit, me personally, I mean, I've, I, I've been working, but honestly, like just messing with y'all, like messing yeah. with stocks. Um, you know, both of y'all, I would say, definitely have got me into investing. Um, you know, I, and I guess we'll dive a little bit deeper into your blog and kind of a little bit of your personal story as well. But, you know, growing up, when you hear about trading stocks, you think that you need to start with a whole bunch of money. Right. And that's not true. I learned that at, at a ripe older age, you know what I'm saying, that you can literally start with a dollar. And I remember when I first started trading, I was, and it's not that I only had a dollar in my bank account, but what I'm saying is I didn't want to invest a whole bunch of money to things that I just speculated on that I didn't know what we'd do. So I remember when I first hit y'all up, I started trading penny stocks. I was like, let me take a little hundred dollars here and I'm going to buy a hundred thousand stocks. <laughs> I and like get plugged. You know what I'm saying? Like plug and stuff like that. And I saw like the gains and I was like, okay, so if I spent a hundred dollars on these like random little penny stocks, maybe I can start throwing a little bit more like Peloton or like yeah. a Microsoft. So what I started personally doing was flipping like the small stuff into bigger stuff. So I would take my gains and I'll flip and I'll flip and I'll flip. And to me, it's kind of like hustling for it. And it, it was like, a, it, it's like fun. Yeah. I've slowed down a lot with it because I don't have as much time to really like sit down and like study like I used to. But I would say during like COVID, man, I spent a lot, I invested a lot in stocks and I definitely have gained, gained quite a bit of money as well. So that's, a, that's the first thing I always tell people when it comes to stocks, right? Because they always ask me like, how do you get started and how do you do it? And I'm like, well, first it's mad easy. You know, you can go open up a free account. Me, I go through Charles Schwab. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's all free. They give you all the resources, everything available there. But then at the same time, what I do is I pay attention to the news. I don't, you know, there, there's a lot of things and he can go into it. You know, there's a lot of things you could be researching and technicals that you could be reading about and learning and stuff like that. But for me, the most important thing you need to know what is the the, going on? Yeah, it's what's going on in the world, the news, because then like, Y'all made me a lot of money. You know, uh, Urban One, you know, when we got hip to that, yeah. that joint skyrocketed. And we in the group <laughs> chat like, yo, it's, it's still going it's up. Crazy. It's yeah, going yeah. up. It's going up. Yeah. And, you know, $2,000 later, I'm like, I'm paying off a credit card. Yeah. So it's like it's different things like that where it's like just pay attention to the news. And then from that point on, I always look at I was just talking to, you know, somebody else. You know, I'd rather have $100 in the stock market. Than or in, in a brokerage account rather than have it in my savings account, Facts. right? Because any money that's not making you money, you're actually losing money. If they're making money opinion. off of your dollar and you ain't right. making nothing. Right, inflation happens, you know, so your dollar today ain't going to be worth a dollar tomorrow. You know, McDonald's don't even have a dollar menu anymore. So <laughs> so what are we talking? You know what I mean? You can't even go there and get some fries for a dollar. You got to pay like, you know, a dollar fifty, two dollars you know? So McDonald's hey, like, costs as much as Chick-fil-A. I mean, Chick Chipotle now, and that's ridiculous. Oh, where's why? So it's it's an easy decision at that point. So I guess, uh, so why, so let's get back to the basics. Why did you start your blog? Like, what was the sole purpose for you starting your, your financial blog? Just realizing how quickly my life had changed just from a conversation with my dad. Mm -hmm. um, and it all started like with me. It's like I lived 
my parents made sacrifices for me to get to where I am. Like my dad, he did not pay for all of my school, but he probably would have had I decided to live from home. And I'm from Richmond, but I wanted to live on campus. And that's another, I mean, that's a conversation for another oh, day. I was about to say, lucky back. you, lucky you. If I can go back, I could have been debt free, you know what I'm saying? But um, that conversation with him, he was like, he gave me two years to live there rent free. Um, and I let him down two years later, he approached me. He was like, so you, have you touched what's the progress on your debt? I was like, it's no progress. <laughs> so he was like, okay, since you want to waste your money, you're going to pay me for 50 a month. Mm. So I did that joint for about two months. <laughs> I was like, dad, can we talk? <laughs> and, um, I think he, he made me pay one more payment. He sent me down, he devised his plan. And even the $450 a month caused me to go out and get a part-time job. So what was that part time job? You remember? Kroger. Kroger? Kroger? Oh, okay. Yeah. So this is me What's already that? having a supermarket. So you got a degree at the grocery store. Oh, that's it. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. And everybody, everybody's asking me why my hair is like. <laughs> Make money. I was like, man, I'm hungry. <laughs> this, right. It's the same reason why you here. We, we get money. So I did that for about two months and I got paid every week, which made it better. And it was $10 an hour. I mean, but I was still working 30 hours a week trying to push it out, getting off at four, going mm. in at 730, getting off at 330, having to go in at five, getting off at 10, doing that every day. And after I saw how I was operating, it was like, it didn't make sense to me operationally, just like thinking from a counter perspective, it's like, so majority of the people are going to the, are at work during the day, right. but I was in produce. So when I get off work at five o'clock, you trying to tell me the rush hour already hit and the produce section already empty? <laughs> I'm like, yo, somebody ain't doing their job during the day, but they be hounding me for this $10 an hour. Right, right. So I was like, man, I put in my two weeks and I gave him an extra day. Not even an extra day on the two weeks. I just quit the next day. I didn't come in that <laughs> Saturday. And that's when I made up my mind to just study for the CPA exam. Gotcha. So um, pretty stress. I was a gym rat and I made that sacrifice because I had to pay that rent. And then I further made that sacrifice to make more money in the long run, mm -hmm. which I've started studying for the CPA. So. Right. Well, that's how you got to set yourself up. I feel like a lot of people, you know, when knowing your situation now, you have to figure out a way to just set yourself up for the future. You I mean, it. and look, you crazy for uh, I'm going to get my CPA because a lot of people wouldn't make that decision. You know, I mean, I know, you know, even when I graduated, I was sort of in the same boat, bro. Like I ain't. I didn't accept a full-time offer. I was working part-time for uh, safe management doing stadium security for the Baltimore Ravens. Mm. And $11 an hour, living at my mom's house. And then I got a call probably like eight months after I graduated and, um, you know, got offered a job and started there and then just continued to work my way up. And, you know, now I'm at where I'm at now. But, like, you got to get money. You know what I mean? So that, that safe management job, that put me on to – so many different people you know i still talk to today just off of a network you know i got a chance to go to different super bowls and different events i went to the, i was backstage jay-z and beyonce concert when they came to mt bank stadiums you know seeing different celebrities and stuff like that so i'm like but well, it's 11 dollars an hour yeah. Stop yeah. i mean i saw beyonce yeah. son right, you know right. what i mean yeah. so that's that's the utility of it for me yeah, yeah, yeah what I, type of uh, what type of content can people find on your blog outside of your personal financial success stories? What are some of the messages that you want to put out to the people? So the first thing, I mean, my first passion was real estate, and I'm all for that. Like, just 
studying for the CPA exam and you learn the regulation section, yeah. you learning all the tax benefits and how wealth can be passed down. Real estate to me is the best option to do so. Um, then COVID hit. <laughs> yeah, I was saving all cash. So even in my Roth, I had, and I've only been contributing in my what, Roth. What, hold on, sorry. What's a Roth? A yeah, Roth IRA. It. So it's an after-tax um, individual retirement account. So the limit is what six thousand a year now. Yeah, something like that. So I've only had one year, which was let a uh, year before last, and because of my income, I was delaying filing my taxes this year because it was a stimulus talk. <laughs> <laughs> so I waited to the deadline, which is another reason why I just got my tax refund. But anyway, real estate was my passion. Um, and I started out once I paid off my student loans in 2017, about two months later, I went into a partnership with two of my friends and we bought our first rental property. Mm. Um, house was built in 2009, $70,000 house. Um, I think we all put 7,000 in it in a piece. And we were getting 22 to 23% returns on our cash, which is cool. And But as you learn more about real estate, you learn what others are doing. And that's, like you said, at VCU, that was the power of the diversity. You seeing what other people are doing versus just being around one culture that may only be exposed to one type of thing. So you want to know pretty much what everybody's doing and then allow you to have more options and make your own decision on what works best for you and what will get you there or to your end goal the quickest. So real estate got kind of on a whole. I got two houses. Um, I got my house in Petersburg, Virginia, and I have my house in D.C. Um, but my house in D.C., which I later learned and you learn through experiences, is pretty much the developer. He took uh, some shortcuts. And as I'm making updates, I'm, I'm, I'm noticing hot wires in the ceiling and mm. stuff like that. Mm. So um Real estate came on a hold, COVID hit, the market crash. I'm sitting on cash. Only, even in my Roth, I've had cash in there. So I'm sitting on 6,000 in cash. Hadn't contributed for the prior tax year. So I pretty much have 12,000 in cash I can put to work. Still on my emergency fund. Um, put all that cash in the market at the bottom and just seeing what it did at that time and how, how pretty much it just rallied back so quickly. I was like, man, let me just put all my money in the market. <laughs> And I'm still saving over the time. So eventually I just got to the point to where I put, I went from having 6,000 in the market to 35,000 in the market. And then that money grew to 40,000. And in that little bit of time since March, um, I've made probably over 50% on right. all my money just because I had my money in there. And just from the due diligence that I've exercised as far as eliminating debt, and that's why it's important for me to eliminate debt because you decide that you make that decision that you want to do real estate and you don't have the cash to buy a house outright. Right. You have to get leverage. And if you have a lot of debt, which could be student loans or a car loan or credit card loans, you have to worry about your debt to income ratio. Right. So if your debt pretty much comprises the majority of your income and then you factor in the mortgage and you don't have no savings left, the bank is not going to prove you for a loan. So it's important to kind of play that balance. So even if I'm making an upgrade to my house, I'm putting money in there, but I'm using my credit line to finance that because it's a cheap interest rate. I'm paying 6% interest on that. Mm. And instead of me focusing on paying that now, I just put the money in the market because as I said, I earned 40%. What's good, PNB family? It's your boy, The Truth. 
Support for this episode of the Part of My Bullshit podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is available anywhere in the United States and just recently launched in the UK. If you're like me, you know how important it is to be well-groomed above the waist, and so now I'm telling you to get right below the waist too. Self-care. Groom all areas. Manscaped has perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. It features an upgraded motor with quiet stroke technology. That's right, quiet stroke technology, a flashy LED light, and a high-powered charging stand. Can you say no more grooming accidents? That's right. Don't be afraid to shave. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. 90 minutes of battery-powered precision. And you can do it anywhere, in the shower, in the hallway, in the bathroom, in the bedroom, but not in the kitchen. Please don't do that to yourself. So if you're listening to me speak right now, fellas, I want you to experience this firsthand. So go to manscaped.com and order your new products today. When you shop, use the code PMBPOD. That's PMBPOD in order to get 20% off your next order and free shipping. Tell me your boy, the truth sent you. PMB Podcast, we out. So you you spoke on these gains. So how are you making these gains? You say you went from six thousand to thirty five thousand to forty thousand, right? So you know, from a just a normal person listening to you, the question is, how are you making these gains? Are you just investing in the stock market? Are you choosing like, are you buying Apple? Are you buying Amazon? Because we we know about those big stocks, right? Because you see them on TV and on the news all the time. Like, what are you doing to make your money? I first started off, I mean, like you said, you got to watch the news. So mm-hmm. when the pandemic first hit, I was freaking out from a health perspective. Um, and then I started watching CNBC because on the news, they started mentioning the Dow tanking when it's a heavy drop. Mm-hmm. So I'm watching CNBC all day because um, we're working from home and I come across Mad Money and Jim Cramer. He created this Cramer COVID index and he was explaining why these companies would thrive. And just my accounting background and you understand some, certain things that they're saying, it's like I started investing in Peloton at 30 because I knew that everybody wouldn't feel comfortable going to SoulCycle no more. Right, right, right. And you're telling me that, and knowing the prices of SoulCycle, they're talking about $300 to $400 a month. Peloton, you can get, how much was it, $2,300? It's like you get your bike and a class for like, what, $60, $60 a month, $70 a month? $40 a month for the subscription. And then the bike itself, yes. if you pay, if you do their loan, I think it's like twenty to five dollars or something like thirty. Yeah. So it's like seventy dollars a yeah. month compared to three hundred dollars a month. And you can even finance it. I think interest free. Interest free. Yep. Mm-hmm. You get to, I think it's like two years interest free. And then not only do you get the bike, but you get the subscription. And the subscription is not just the biking classes. It's a whole bunch of shit: weightlifting, yoga, oh. meditation. Right. Like yeah. it's so much that comes with the package. So I'm in the same boat as you. It's like, well. People are obviously not going to, you know, Planet, uh, what's the Planet Fitness was like the the biggest gym, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Because it's only $10, so you feel good. I don't got to spend mm-hmm. too much money. No commitment. Right. Who's going to want to be doing that in the middle of COVID? Who's going to be wanting to go to, uh, was it Orange Theory yeah. and all those other ones? The money that we're spending on that, I could get my own bike at my house for a, a, a third of the price that it costs for me to go to these other joints. So I remember me and you were initially talking about it. We were like, even before I got my bike, I was like, wait a minute. This stock is about to skyrocket, bro. And and I sold early. And I know you still sit. <laughs> no, I sold early, too. I had like 200 shares at 30. Dumped all of them. But I was in and out just trying to ride the yeah. wave. But looking back, 
I mean, this is my first time really investing in the market. So you learn in hindsight. Right. And now, I mean, my my longest standing shares is at 70, 74 share. Mm-hmm. But um, even my option, it's like I got my option on it, which I just recently learned about trading options. I got a two year option on it and it got into money within like two weeks. So it went up to pretty much 123 percent. And then last week, they pretty much downgraded the stock. So I got in out a hundred percent. So, so that's what I was going to ask y'all. So y'all say y'all got in at thirty. Where did where did you sell? I th- I think I sold around. I want to say like I sold somewhere where it was around like seventy something a share. Something. So you made double your money. Uh, yeah, but yeah. I wasn't holding that many shares. I think at that point I had maybe like fifteen shares, twelve yeah. shares. I'm like, it wasn't it wasn't crazy. Like this was early when COVID first, yeah, so I still yeah. was like trying to feel things out. And this goes back to what you were saying, paying attention to what's going on in the world. I, I think that especially now when COVID very first hit, everybody panicked. And right. there was a lot of industries that were being impacted. But eventually, we know those things will turn around, right? The fitness industry got impacted heavily. But home fitness industry, not really, because I mean, for the sh- a short time, but reality is, is even moving forward into next year and even the year after that, right. people are going to be much more comfortable working out from home. Yeah. There's certain industries, like for me, I was still holding on to like airline stuff. I was like, well, shit. Nobody's flying now, but in five years, people might be flying again. Not even in five years, but a couple of years, people right. might be flying again. Like even when you look at some of the tech, some of the tech was heavily impacted. Facebook, Microsoft, and right. all that. But at the end of the day, everybody Facebook, except for Amazon. Facebook is going to continue to make money because mm-hmm. now that I'm at home all day, guess what? I'm be right on Facebook clicking around. So now advertisers are going to be paying Facebook more dollars. Like all these companies were impacted, but you just had to kind of think about like, okay. Eventually, what are we going to be using again? What are we going to be coming around to again? And that's what really got at me. And I, and I wanted to go back to a part of the conversation when you were talking about real estate. As you know, as most people know, real estate is how people get ahead in this country. The majority of people that are doing well financially, and I'm not talking about like the, the Jeff Bezos of the world. I'm just talking about the well-off people that don't necessarily look like us that are paying for their students, their uh, their family, college, their sons or daughters' colleges flat out, that have multiple you know, par- uh, properties all around the world. They had their little beach house, their lake house. Most of it has started in real estate. So I want to get back into the importance of that. If you're interested in buying real estate, how can you go about doing it? I know initially you said that you started with your friends. Yeah. So just talk about like that process. How did y'all kind of decide, okay, this is the area we wanted to buy in. How did y'all decide like what y'all could afford, how much everybody would put in, stuff like that? Because I feel like that's important that a lot of us could do. Yeah. I don't, you know, I may not necessarily be able to buy a $800,000 home on my own, but I could get three friends together. We may be able to buy like a $200,000 home in Richmond or something like that and start, start investing like that. So talk about a little bit about that. So first, I mean, I guess you want to start, you want to make sure everybody's on the same page. First, you want to have everything in writing. I would recommend you definitely having a lawyer to the table, no matter how immaterial the amount is. Um, I think that when you write things down on paper, like we went through Rocket Lawyer in our approach, but I think um, it's a lot more serious when, like as a CPA and what you read in regulation, you know what's legally enforced and what yeah. makes a contract binding. So you don't have to say, but I think others may not know without that person, that actual physical physical figure being there, which is a lawyer, yeah. actually guiding them through that and letting them know. So it's like, make sure you have all those things in place. Go through the worst case scenarios because just because of your friends and y'all been friends the whole time doesn't mean everything's going to go perfect. And I think that's the biggest thing right there is trust. Like we see so many friendships fall out because of money. Yeah. So like 
going into that scenario, how did you feel? Like, were you comfortable with like the group that you um, invested within, or like did you feel more comfortable because y'all got a lawyer involved? Um, we didn't get a lawyer involved, so um, I would say, I guess from my experience from it, I don't think that we are going to continue to operate as a partnership going forward. Um, for me, uh, it wouldn't like now it's an equal split, but it wouldn't be an equal split for me going forward. And I think now I think I put myself in a financial position to where I don't have to partner with anybody. But as far as determining the area, it was more so it's like, how much are we trying to spend? What are we trying to do? Our strategy was to get a house that was affordable, that was going to cash flow and have the government pay for it, which was section Mm eight. The first experience didn't turn out so well. They damaged the crib. So you've got to really know the tenant that you're having in there. But you want to start with educating yourself, educating yourself on the laws, educating yourself on how to value a property, what the margin should be. Like when we bought our property, we wanted to save at least 28% of the total income and then distribute our money. So when I said we were making 23%, that's after saving 28% of the income, which is 10% for maintenance, 10% for capital expenditures over the long run. And then we were setting aside a month, a year for vacancies. So after that, we would distribute the money, which was pretty much like 120 a person, our best year. So talking about distributing money and making profits and stuff like that, I know one thing that I feel like a lot of people do is go into business. First thing they think is I'm going to make a shit ton of money. Yeah. So talking about that, t- talking about that gamble, how long did it take for you guys to kind of start turning that profit, start distributing your money across the board? So we came in, we started off with a minimum of six months rent in case like we we wanted to put the capital in. We we didn't want to have it be like a nag in our side. So we wanted to actually be a business. So we 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 injected the capital in there, which six month rent, worst case scenario, if we didn't have anybody in there, um we'll be able to cover the mortgage for six for months. Six so that months, gives us yeah. more than enough time to be able to find a tenant. Um outside of that, um we were distributing immediately. When we got the first check, we were breaking it out. Gotcha. Distributing the cash because we already had that minimum balance in there. And every time that we had to go in for a repair and it impacted that balance, we would adjust our distributions accordingly. So to make sure we maintain that balance mm-hmm. or make sure that we have our maintenance and uh, vacancies and capital expenditures appropriately set aside, we would make sure we do that. And if we had an expense that wiped out those reserves, we wouldn't distribute. Like now, pretty much this whole year, we haven't distributed because we had that one tenant that wiped out our whole reserve because, because they the must have been fighting in there. Really? It looked like I mean, you hear that a lot. Like, I saw a video on Twitter a couple months ago where I think a guy was like in Chicago and he had rented out his property. So I, I don't know if you did you see it where he like they threw like paint everywhere and they like busted oh, nah, it. Yeah. But he basically is saying that he allowed some folks to move into his home that literally were homeless, had nowhere to stay at. And he did them a solid because I think they didn't have like um like their background check just did not come out to someone that he really wanted to be in their home. But he said, you know, I'm gonna take a gamble. I believe it was like a mother, like they had some kids, and they ended up just destroying their property yeah. um completely. Um so he was all he like recorded, he was like crying. And I get it, you know what I'm saying? Like this is you work hard outside mm-hmm. of the home to purchase your home and open it up for somebody that you didn't know, but you took a shot on and they completely destroyed it. But all in all, I guess the story that you're telling with this that it's definitely possible to buy your home as a group. It's definitely possible to make money, it's definitely possible to get that ball rolling for setting yourself up for the future. I mean, the most important thing is 
just like stocks, is you make money on the buy. You don't make money on the sell. The, the buy dictates the margin between the purchase price and the selling price. So um, as long as you buy accordingly, um, the margins are going to be there on the monthly cash flow. Mm -hmm. So don't rush a deal. It's not a deal if you overpay for it. So you set your margins and how much you want to make as a group or as an individual going into there after setting aside your reserves. You can adjust your reserves based on the area. Um, I guess a book that I would recommend without even going into too much detail on how to gain knowledge is from bigger pockets. Like I listened to a lot of their podcasts, but What's they had book? bigger pockets, pockets. podcast. Oh. Um, they had a book on property management. It was a yellow book. I don't remember the name off the top of my head, but I think it was written by Brandon Turner of Bigger Pockets. Um, but that book walks through a lot of things. It provides you with forms and everything, um, just standard forms, but you can modify them and everything. And it walks through how to handle lease and it goes through scenarios of what to do and what not to do and how to best protect yourself um, to prevent those worst case scenarios from happening. Right. Really helps a lot. Yeah, I was about to say, that's dope. Um, especially because now I feel like black folks, especially in this area, really coming together, really starting to pull their dollar together. And I know the first thing everybody says is let's get into real estate. Let's get into real estate. Right. And then you have conversations and they may not necessarily know how. So being able to provide those resources, I think are extremely important. And I think, I think for the everyday person, right? Listening to this and listening to other people have conversations. A lot of people find it hard to actually want to do the work, right? You, you were talking about like doing the research and watching the news and and learning about like, you know, how to how to get into real estate, you know, how to evaluate certain properties and different things like that. Well, a lot of people honestly don't want to do the work. Yeah. They just want the, you know, the quick, easy money. Yeah. So for us, you know, you were talking about like getting into business with your friends. It's like it's always a risk. That's why I tell people there's no there's no safe thing about it. Yeah, you know, when sure. when you get into business with anybody, including yourself, right? Even if you're a sole proprietorship, like it's a risk. You have to expect to lose money, one. And then something you said earlier, you have to plan like for the worst at all given points in time. Yeah. And, you know, we've even told our stories about, you know, when we're hosting parties in D.C. And I always bring up the, the story from a couple of years ago where, we were hosting a do safe for days party and yeah, I'm literally taking my, uh, my PMP exam at the time. And Renee hits me. He's like, the venue just canceled on us. Uh, the, the, the very week of the, the, uh, event, like two days before and adaptability, man. Yeah. And it was just like, Oh shit. <laughs> what are we going to do from here? So then, you know, you, you literally just figure things out. If we had not, had backup plans or and also just the know-how of okay this is how we can maneuver we didn't even have solid backup plans but we knew how we could go about finding a new venue just that alone yeah. helped us save that event yeah. so it's like you always i always plan for the worst because to be quite honest i don't trust nobody <laughs> you know i can't even trust myself 100 percent sometimes yeah. so like how can i trust you you know, you always got to keep stuff in the back pocket and then just allow people to, I think people are always going to make the best decisions for themselves regardless. Like even if they say 100%. it's for you, it's for them. You yeah. know what I mean? They're only going to make it if they see some benefit in it. And if they don't, look, that's that's a real ass friend. But um, especially with business, man, I think the thing is, is that a lot of people don't want to put the time in, which is fine. But in times like these, especially during COVID, you know, I see a lot of people getting laid off. 
You know, I see a lot of people, a, a lot of companies cutting back on people's checks, yeah. how much they're paying them. You know, people getting furloughed and stuff. And it's hard because, you know, I, I want to sit back and I want to tell them, like, damn, like, you know, it, it's it's going to turn around. It's going to change. But as you can see, if your money is controlled, if your cash flow is controlled by somebody else, it's it's very hard to build wealth. And that's what, you know, as black people, we talk about we want to build wealth. We want to be able to pay our kids tuition. We want to be able to. But I, my niece had a two-year-old birthday the other day. You want to be able to throw them a party and, you know, do all the nice stuff that you see other people do. Yeah. You want to be able to travel. Yeah. You know what I mean? But we can't do that because our cash flow is always controlled by somebody else. Yeah. And then, look, we spend the most money. So we spend the money we don't have. So then at the end of the day, we're borrowing money. Yeah. Just to, right back out yeah, just to get right back to them. Yeah. That's right. I mean, that's the biggest thing is, like, I paid off two cars i had to pay to get out of my mustang which was my car before i got my current one and that's when you have to make that decision it's like whether it's worth it or not and i paid three grand but then i calculated the payback period how long would i have to go without a car to make that money back which is only six months um and then i went a year and a half which half a month shot my goal but i didn't predict code right but at the same time the market crashed so it offsets it. So that extra six months that I would have to cash flow into saving for my car, I had already made. So, I mean, the biggest thing to me is like when you're trying to build wealth in the accumulation phase is you control your money. Limit the amount of people that you owe money, whether it's for a car, credit card, phone bill, cable. Consider all those little costs, those monthly subscriptions, Hulu, all that. Like I cut all that off when I was trying to get to where I am now. And now I do splurge a little bit, but um, to me, it's still, I try to save 50% of what I make. That is my goal regardless. So if I make 300,000 to, uh, or a hundred thousand, it's 50% of what I make. And I expect to go up from where I am. And if I continue that lifestyle, I think I'm gonna be good. Wait, wait. So before we wrap this up, can you tell everybody how to find your blog, the neighbor's blog, um, where to find it? and you know, pretty yeah. much that. Um, you can find my blog on Instagram at the neighbors blog, uh, the website, the neighbors dot blog. Um, and my personal Instagram is can't stop the crooks. That's C N T S T O P C R O O K S. Sure, I might have, I might have to hire him for you know my personal no bullshit. financial advice, but he's talking about three hundred k. Look, so I'm, I'm trying to get there. I'm, I'm not <laughs> saying I make that. <laughs> so look, one last thing before we get about it. I guess you you know you dropped all your socials and all that, but if there's a message that you want the people to take away, what is it? Invest. I mean, not just invest in the market, but invest in yourself. I mean, financial freedom can guarantee your freedom if nothing else can. Like we being in the United States and what everything is going on, there are other countries that are worse. There are other countries that are better, but you have the opportunity to leave if you have the money to survive. And wealth is judged by the amount of money. I mean, by the amount of time that you can survive off your money. So if I ever get put in a scenario, I save my money and I save majority of my checks because I've dealt with frustrating situations at my job. I'm dealing with the frustrating situations in the United States. I mean, even when COVID first hit, 
and I didn't have a car, I drove back up here just to get my passport because I'm like, yo, Word. this never no, no. crazy. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I'm that type of person that don't want to be controlled by nobody, whether it's my employer. Like, I understand I work for you, but I give you all that I have and I respect you and you should respect me. But if something in this ever turns in that regard, I want the flexibility to do what's best for me. Gotcha. Weird, so weird. investing in yourself allows you to do that. The earlier, the better. That's real That's the amen. That's a word, bro. So, man, I got nothing better to close right there. Word. All right, man. Look, shit. So we'll look. Yeah. Ra- wrapping up this episode, we man. The vibe, man. We did the vibe, bro. Yeah, I was gonna get to. Oh, wow. you know what? Uh, I, was, I was, I was gonna thank my man for coming through oh, first, okay. man. Look, like, like I said, as always, man, we appreciate you for coming through. You know, I know I hit you on the last minute. I was like, look, I hit Geechee. I was like, yo, we need somebody in this first slot. And then I was like, yo, let me hit him up, man. Because like I said, I always follow your stuff. I'll be in the group chats with you. Y'all be going off and then group me. And I just be buying whatever y'all say. No <laughs> bullshit. That's exactly what I was doing. It was, you know, this thing would be like, yo, uh, option. Like get the uh, get the January 10th option for such and such. I'd be like, man, let me go see how much this joke Bruh, I just, I just if I ever go in there, I know it's good. <laughs> right, yeah. I just log in, buy a couple. All right. Let it sit. Don't even say nothing. I just double like it. I'm very transparent with my investments. So like right. even on my Instagram, I will post even the bad. Like I took a major on Fastly, but yeah. that was just an uneducated decision, which I would never do again. I stick with what I know. So. Right. And, right. But one thing I definitely want to reiterate is something we said earlier. You do not, and I repeat that, you do not need a bunch of money to start investing. You literally Thanks. can start investing with a dollar. Literally a dollar. Oh, before we get out of here, one thing that I wanted to talk about quickly. You know, I got my nephew now. He's eight months old. Shout out to Aubrey. A lot of us at this age, we're having kids. We got nephews and nieces and all that. I, you know, I like to flood my little dude with, with sneakers. I know he grow out of them real fast, but it's something that I like to do. <laughs> yeah. Me and you, we talked um, a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about things that we could do for children to get them set up for success for the future. So whether yeah. start throwing some money to sign for the colleges. So I wanted to real quickly, what are some things that uh, parents or uncles or aunties can do for they for their you know for their loved ones That's to good. start setting them up That's successfully good. financially even at the their birth. Right. Um I guess to keep it short, the best thing for me, tax efficient wise, would be to save in your own name and you leave them as the beneficiary. That's how you avoid them having to pay taxes. Mm. Like that's when the step up basis comes into play. So if you buy it at a thousand dollars and it's at ten thousand dollars when you pass away, when they get it, it's valued at ten thousand dollars. So they don't have to pay that margin. What I do for my nephews now, um, saving for them for their accomplishment versus actually giving them physical money is I opened the UGMA account. Oh, um, what is it? A UGMA account. So it's just a custodial account where I control. I can't take money out of it. It's in their name. When they become of legal age of 18, it's theirs. So kind of like what happened with Alan Iverson. Is that sort of kind of the same? I don't know. He, I think he had his a trust. 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 Yeah, okay. Yeah. okay. But it's still, it's, it's still, it's still a trust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fiduciary. But eventually, I, I guess at a higher level, their money will be in the trust. But that's money to where they're 18. And I'm, I'm trying to decide, like, I contribute $10 every paycheck to that. Weird. For their birthdays, I would give them $50. Like, that's their limit. $50 a mm-hmm. uh, um, nephew. So birthdays, report cards, I give them five dollars a day. The dudes always get honor roll. Sports, they always kill me. So they be running mm-hmm. in my pockets, but all that money goes in that account. And they don't even ask for anything physical. I just show them the account and they they do their little play fake. Every right, time. right, right. Because they obviously they're young. They don't really they don't see the yeah. like the value and the utility in it now. But once they get of age, they'll see like, oh shit, I'm put away 
$50,000. Now I can go to school, whatever school I want, yeah. for free. Right. Potentially. So as an UGMA account, instead of paying them out physically with gifts, you throw some money on the side every paycheck for their birthdays and stuff like that to set them up for the future. Yeah. But for parents, I would say the biggest way is what you want to do is leave them as the beneficiary. Don't put majority of the wealth that you want to transfer to them in an UGMA account because that is yeah. their money. So they're going to pay taxes on yeah. that. So it's the, the loophole is you pretty much have it in your name. So like my taxable account. If I wanted to put them as the beneficiary, then they would get the fair market value of that mm -hmm. versus having to pay the cost basis. And, and don't be putting your kids' uh, name on the phone bill, the the light bill. Man, you see, you were seeing the memes. You be like, yo, yo, uh, black people got to start their kids off better. Go ahead and open up a business account, make right. a credit, put a credit card in their name. Nah. Dude, I'm like, son, don't don't do that because that is a bad. Don't don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Goes real it's bad. It's a trap, bro. Because yeah. they one... out, they looking like, oh, they got real. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. exactly. You got to let people control it. It's for people that get their news off Facebook. Right. You know what I'm saying? But with that being said, man, shout out to you. Definitely thank you for coming through. No you already problem. know we leave every episode with a vibe of the day, man. So what you been listening to? What we want to go out with? Man, I just have a get paid playlist. Uh, I got paid yesterday. So that's my <laughs> Anything revolving getting money, man, especially like in busy season, I'm about to be working after this. So, I mean, tomorrow and the day after that. They've been depriving me of OT for a while. So I'm trying right. to get gotcha. to it. So. What's, the, what's the first track on that playlist? I like says something. That's my new joint. Oh, Which one? Says, says something. something by Moneybag. I think it's oh, Moneybag Yo. Yeah. yeah. You listen to the remix? They got a remix of uh, Moneybag and City Girls on that joint. For real? Yeah, bro. That's I'm listen to it on the way say, Throw Moneybag on that joint. <laughs> says something. We can we rock with that. Rock with that. Rock with that, bro. Says something. I appreciate it, my brother. No problem. Man. All right, bro. Appreciate y'all. Yes, sir. With Pan B Podcast, it's the truth. Jerron, Fugici, we out of here. Huh? What? Uh, I thought a bro nigga said something. Uh, Talk of shit, but they still ain't saying that. We gon' trap this bitch out till the feds come. Run it up, run it up. Huh? What she say? Uh, I thought a pussy hoe said something. Uh, How I go when I'm talking, you listen. Jealous. Cut her off cause she spoke on the business. Go. Hundreds and fifties. Can't swap a dime for a penny. You know that's a stupid decision. Yep. Head first with it. I shot a shot at my nigga bitch. Really didn't think before I did it. Nope. Make it make sense. Please. Luckily, I was on point with the last hoe. Kept my receipts. Why? Warrants are good. Make sure I got her for a refund when I gave her back to the streets. Go. Forever I rip, put the set on the chain. I'm thugging you, I already know how I count. Yeah, he got money, but niggas be lying. I lamboed her life, told her get out there, rain. Her man, he in pit, it's ain't color my teeth. White. She got a blue chick and a chick without me. Nice. Hood nigga riding in the phone on East. Still. Sick of these niggas, COVID 19. Uh. Karate the walkie, trying to keep the cup. Shake came up like Yannis, I get bigger bucks. Got four different choppers right there in this truck. No. I'm just being honest, I can get you touched. Put you in the blender, I can get you slush. <laughs> I see the comments, but really unbothered. I know it's hurting, she salty, I scarred her. Be worried with you, lay up and say to these bitches, they can't hold water, period. Uh, I thought a bro nigga said something. Uh, Talk shit, but they still ain't saying that. We gon' trap this bitch out till the feds come. Run it up, run it up. Huh? What she say? Uh, I thought a pussy hoe said something. Uh, I go when I'm talking, you listen. Jealous. Cut her off cause she spoke on the business. Go. I thought a nigga who watch what I do, but he can't get his bitch back said something. Tuh. Is it true that he posting another nigga money? Probably. I'm put that past him. Maybe so. I thought a hoe that be speaking on me, but be fucking a broke nigga said something. Listen. Hold up, little bitch. Get a nigga that's lit. I'm the whole loaf. He the bread. Go. Rappers with these mixed feelings, what? I ain't fucking with them nope. Like a Richard Mille, let me know what time it is Bag with a run set, huh? No, you got it on, you're supposed to be smell-proof Busting out the vacuum seal These niggas little boy, childish, Fisher Price Confident, I'm not cocky, so get it right She bending over, but I want some head first I only wanna know what the pussy like Tripping too close to falling, so I'm ballin' It's crazy, my up got shot, but I ain't call it Psych, slow up, slow up.
I come around, niggas go put they hoe up. These bitches stay on my channel, yeah. Must have seen me on TV, yeah. It took me six hours to count a meal exactly. I'm accurate with that cheese, yeah. Big bag, huh? What? Uh, I thought a bro nigga said something. Uh, Talking shit, but they still ain't saying nothing. We nothing. gon' trap this bitch out till the feds come. Run it up, run it up, huh? What she say? Uh, I thought a pussy hoe said something. Uh, I go when I'm talking, you listen. Jealous. Cut her off cause she spoke on the business. Go. 